0: So that's where I think making sure that your account is in the loop and you're taking some responsibility to keep them in the loop because if you know, you're know you halfway through the year and your business has tripled over last year and you're just going to wait to talk to your accountant at the end of the year, you're handcuffing your accountant. They're not going to be able to help you save on taxes at the end of the year when it's already too late to do the things that they would want to do. So that's where... Um, Again, there's this extra responsibility we have as business owners to make sure we're keeping people in the loop on the things we need to keep them in the loop on. And so with your accountant, if your business is blowing up or you're spending some, you're making a big investment and you're not sure how it's going to affect your taxes, ask your accountant sooner than later, bring them (laughs) in the loop. And if they go, well, you're not paying me to give you advice, then go find an accountant who's as part of their service. They're going to give you this advice and stay in the loop. (laughs)
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey here. And today we have a very special guest that we've brought on the show to edify us and educate (laughs) us about a topic that many people um, oftentimes, as we have discovered, shy away from. There's sort of two uh, schools of thought here. I guess not schools of thought, because that that would not be correct. Sort of two psychologies at play. People that generally are doing well, and I mean super well, they have a really good handle on their numbers. Mm. They understand their finances. They understand everything that's happening. People that are kind of in the middle that wish that they were doing super well, a little bit less. And the people who are struggling, this is the big one. The people who are struggling have no handle on it. It's easier if you just ignore it. Like, I don't want to see it. Uh, maybe I'll just, you know, run my card and hope and pray that that the transaction goes through. Or maybe even worse, write checks and hope and pray that it it cashes. Um, and that's not always the best uh, idea, the best psychology to have relative to money, which is a topic that we love.
2: Well, I got a layer on top of that because we see that all the time with our clients is the times when they should be paying the most attention to their money are the times that they hide and they don't look at it. And we're big believers in understanding the health of your business by not only looking at the statistics, but also looking at cash flow and the money that you have in the bank. And so you can't understand how healthy your business is Therefore, you can't make change if you don't understand your finances. So I'm super excited for this topic. And then
1: I'm going to just throw out there for, for our guests to just knock this one out of the park as well. Most people are working with, um, on the financial side, people. And we, we just had a workshop where we discussed this. Mm. They find bookkeepers. They find CPAs. They find financial advice in their local networking group. I guess there's technically nothing wrong with that, but the reason why they choose the person is because they think that, well, if I work with my local bookkeeper, if I work with my local CPA, they're, they're going to refer me clients, and that <laughs> is not the criteria that we want to be using when it comes to our finances. So we've looked high and low, and we've found Parker Stevenson from Evolved Finance He's going to be talking with us today and teaching us a lot so that we can all get a better handle on our finances and make smarter decisions. Parker, thank you for being with us. Sean Lacey, thank you so much for having me. Well, let's just start off by giving us an overview for anybody who doesn't know, uh, what is Evolved Finances? What's the scope of
0: services you provide and why does your business exist? Yeah, I mean, Evolve Finance is the brainchild of my business partner, Corey Whitaker. He started it back in 2010. He had kind of the good fortune to get into the online space. Um, back in 2010, I feel like I was still getting used to purchasing things on Amazon and, and using my credit card on the internet to buy things. And he was working with these business owners who were running online businesses. And so our clients tend to be people who are selling courses, they have membership sites, they do one on one or group coaching programs programs, they're influencers, or they have some sort of an online service that they're able to provide. And this is kind of a new niche, a new business model that's really kind of taken off in the last 10 years. And so as a bookkeeping firm, we specialize in supporting these types of businesses because as I think a lot of business owners kind of realize, you you might find a bookkeeper, but they might work with, 17 different types of businesses. They might be doing the books for a dentist's office and a real estate agent and a dry cleaner and a bookstore. And so what they kind of end up getting is a bookkeeper who's kind of doing a subpar job of serving all their customers instead of just working with one type of business and becoming an expert with them. And so that's what we do at Evolve Finance. We only serve online lifestyle businesses. And by doing so, we're able to give like provide financial data to our clients that actually makes sense to them. And we're also able to provide some advice and guidance that other bookkeepers just wouldn't know how to do.
2: And I love that you brought up the the topic of bookkeeper because a lot lot of people don't even know the difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper, and they're not sure who they should hire for their Mm -hmm. specific business. Do you have suggestions on that, how they're different and what most people should do in the situation?
0: Yeah, I, I we always recommend, especially as as a business gets bigger, having an accountant and in an, a bookkeeper and a bookkeeper and having them separate. Your mm-hmm. accountant, you really want only focused on filing taxes. Like that's their superpower is how do they legally help you to reduce your tax bill as much as they possibly can. Your bookkeeper is more of a data specialist. The bookkeeper is going to take all the financial data that's happening in your business. So all the deposits, all the expenses that are happening in your checking account, credit card, and and again, hopefully business accounts, uh, having your business account separate from your personal finances, but your bookkeeper is going to organize all that data and put it together in financial reports that then you can use to make decisions in your business and know the health of your business. And then also your accountant will use that data to file your taxes at the end of the year. But we do see a lot of the times that when our clients come to us and their accountant or their accountant's team was doing the bookkeeping, that there's kind of a conflict of interest there. And the accountant's team doesn't put as much time and attention into doing the bookkeeping because they make their money off of filing taxes. The bookkeeping is just a necessary evil. So that's why we recommend that your bookkeeper be someone separate from who's filing your taxes as your accountant.
1: Parker, you know what sucks about podcasts is like, if you are listening to a podcast and you're like, I love the guest, I want to work with them. I already know they're awesome. Um, And then you have to wait until like the end of the podcast to figure out how to engage them. (laughs) I'm going to ask you right now um, and we'll, and we'll repeat it of course at the end. But if somebody wanted to contact you, if they're like, yeah, man, that makes sense. I need, I actually need a bookkeeper.
0: Um, How would people get in touch with you and engage your services? No, I appreciate that, Sean. Uh, evolvedfinance.com is anything related to us is, is the place to go. That's E-V-O-L-V-E-D, Evolvedfinance.com. And if you can't find the schedule a discovery call um, or schedule a, a consultation call on our website, then we've done a bad job of making those buttons super obvious. <laughs> um, but essentially, if, if you're doing six figures in revenue, you're, you're crossing that $100,000 mark, you're operating in US dollars, and you're just, you know, you're not an e-com business. Unfortunately, inventory-based e-com businesses have very different business models than the clients we serve. So if you're selling digital products online, you know you're an online educator or influencer, then um, come schedule a call. I'd love to talk with you.
2: Love it. Okay, Parker, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I have a question. And what a lot of times what I see with my clients is that when they hand all of their data over to a bookkeeper, they feel like at that point, then they don't have to worry about it. And they never check in on what's actually happening in their books. So I heard you mention that you provide financial statements or financial reports to give to your client's How often do you give them those and what specifically do you provide them so that they're in touch with knowing, you know, what that money looks like?
0: Well, I, I think our industry as a whole, unfortunately, um, doesn't have a great reputation of mm-hmm. customer service. Um, a lot of the times when people come to us, or you know, our clients come to us, and they go, "My bookkeeper, I get reports like once every three months, or I yeah. send them an email and it takes them two weeks to get back to me," um, because I, I think at the end of the day, a lot of the people in our industry thinks they're, they they think their clients don't really care. Like it's like, this is just going to confuse them. I don't want to complicate this for them and, and and I'll just get it done when I get it done. Um, but for us, um, some of our clients, um, I, I think all of our clients are appreciative, but some of them are like, can you guys tone it down? But we're very <laughs> proactive because we're like every month we, w- we want to lock down a date with our clients every month that you're going to get your financial reports from us. And so if we have a login issue or if there's some transactions that we need clarification on, We're going to bug you every few days to make sure we get that because our whole goal is we want to get you your financial data as soon as possible, because then you can look at it, go, how did we do last month? How are we looking for the year? And then that's feedback that that's uh, input we can use to, to see, do we need to change course for this ship uh, based on the decisions we've been making? And I think that's, what's so important about Any sort of data in your business is if you're just kind of going off of instinct and off of feel. Sure. Like we all need to have some instincts as business owners. Good (laughs) instincts are helpful, but the bigger your business becomes, and I see it in our larger clients, we need this feedback. How are we doing financially? How are our marketing metrics looking? How are we making the decision-making process or processes in our business easier, which is why we're so adamant about making sure we're getting our clients books on time to them every single month. So they're not missing these opportunities to, again, make new decisions and move the business forward in a more successful way.
2: I love that.
1: And since you've been working with clients for, for a while and understand um, what it is that they should be looking for, um, this may be a giant distinction um, for our listeners and our viewers. Like maybe when you hear this answer, you might be like, that's why I need to to call Parker and his team. Um what necessarily should a business owner be looking for in these reports? What's the important data that they need to be monitoring on on a regular basis?
0: And how does that impact the decisions that they might be making with their business? No, that is a great question. And I think this, again, where is where our industry, the financial services industry, sometimes tries to make this too complicated or, or go, don't worry about it, we'll take care of it, just run the business. But I think, you know, as a business owner, again, you need feedback, you need data, what are we looking for? Well, at least with the clients we work with, Um, So many of our clients' businesses, the brand sort of revolves around them. They might be building businesses that aren't necessarily going to be super sellable. So for them, profitability is everything. So ultimately, everything we're doing to analyze an online business comes down to are the decisions we're making in this business adding to profit or subtracting for profit. And and either might not be a bad thing. Um, There is such thing as like your profit percentage going down, but your revenue going up. So ultimately you're going to be uh, ahead in the end, but we just want to make sure we understand how are the decisions we're making affecting the profitability of the business and are we okay with that? So for instance, like with our clients, the types of businesses they run, these online businesses, we want them to be at 30% profitability or better that's not uh, an arbitrary percentage that we read in a book or some other coach told us it's what we see because we again we're looking at right now as of today 165 different online businesses and we we were able to analyze that data and go this is totally reasonable almost any online business can get to 30 percent profitability. And that would mean for simple math, if you had a million dollar a year business, we would expect you to have $300,000 left over in profit after all your business expenses are accounted for. But again, we have some clients who are doing 40 50 60 percent profitability and that's kind of the benefit of an online business is that you don't have you know typically our clients aren't going to have office spaces they're not going to have um, inventory they're not going to have a lot of these big expenses that maybe more classic business models could have that then you know if their overhead expenses are lower than a typical business then the potential for profit increases so much now Not everyone gets to 30% right away. Sometimes they might be coming to us because they're like, what do I need to be paying attention to? What do I need to be looking out for? And really, again, this is where I think, um, like I don't come from a finance background, so I'm always looking to simplify, like, how do we focus on the data? That's the most important. And really there's two areas of most of our clients' businesses that are going to make or break them. It's going to be our ad costs. Are we getting a good enough ROI on our advertising which for our clients is going to be facebook ads google ads maybe a little bit, a little bit of pinterest ads or something like that but the 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 money we're spending to acquire our leads and and convert them into customers are we getting the ROI we need on that? How much, what percentage of our revenue is going to advertising? And then it's team, it's labor, contractors and employees. Those are the two areas that assuming the business is generating revenue consistently and and, and making a, a healthy amount of income each month, then it's really coming down to advertising and, and labor expenses.
2: That's really interesting. Now, did that, I, and I love that advice. And I think that's important for every business owner out there and is applicable also for people that have brick and mortar businesses mm-hmm. because they're doing a lot of those things too, you know, advertising online and, and have the, you know, people capital. But my question for you is, did that, that 30% of profitability that you're talking about, did that change or shift at all last year with everything that happened? And would you make different recommendations to prepare people for potential other crises or things that can happen in their business?
0: That is such a good question. Um, so when I got involved in the business six years ago, and I, we started to see the norms in, in our niche, in our industry, we were actually expecting 40%. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because I'd say the online space was still a little bit of the wild, wild West. Um, The marketing tactics that people were using back then were, there was just less competition out there, and the marketing tactics were wildly successful. So it was even more common to see these businesses that had 50, 60 percent profit margins because everyone were opening emails, and their you know their email lists were open rates were through the roof, and yeah. um, it was just again less competition, I think, for their customers' attention. Um, but I'd say overall, uh, marketing tactics have shifted and changed. Our clients can still be very successful, um, but people are have like our clients are having to spend a little more money on advertising than they used to. And they have to build up teams a little more than they used to. Because I'd say, again, six years ago, businesses were just kind of like, whoa, I have this online cash machine. Awesome. And now it's more like, oh, I need to have some structure and some actual <laughs> business fundamentals so that this biz- this business can actually operate for years to come, right? We have this solid foundation. And usually that means having people involved in the business to keep the business cruising along. So um, last year actually did not affect going down to 30%. I'd say that that percentage sort of shifted about two or three years ago. Um, Last year, at least for the businesses we worked with, they actually thrived. All of our clients were already established online that when all of a sudden everyone's at home and spending more time on the internet and looking for new opportunities to develop new skills, maybe start a business, um, kill some time, that whether our client has like Learn how to play piano or guitar course, or learn how to make your first online course sort of program. All almost all of them did really really well. So um, maybe we should have bumped it back up to forty percent to set <laughs> new expectations. Uh, but I still think thirty percent for our clients is a, is a really safe bet.
1: Love it. So Parker, earlier you said that you um you your your niche your sweet spot there is the online world, and you had mentioned maybe some other people you know maybe previous a uh, bookkeeper that someone may have used, had experience in other industries. Um, obviously, our show caters specifically to service providers, which would encompass mm-hmm. both brick and mortar and online services as well. What are, what are some of the core differences between servicing from your viewpoint, through your lens, um, a brick and mortar, say a dentist versus say an influencer, a consultant on in the online space?
0: Well, I mean, we are, Evolve Finance is a more true classic service-based business than um, our clients. Like, again, we have some marketing agencies and and businesses like that where their human resources are kind of the product, right? Like at Evolve Finance, we have systems and processes for how our bookkeeping gets done, but it's our team who's executing on it. So just naturally, team expenses are going to be higher. So with our clients that are more of a service-based business, um, we would expect the the margins or the profit to be closer to 20%. Now, the reason we would expect it to be closer to 20% is labor costs are going to be higher. That's just built into the business model. But on the flip side, the benefit here is that you have a business that's going to likely be more sellable if you're building it with intention. Um, Because when you have a business revolving more around people being the the product, so to speak, then it's easier to build a business where those people can run the business for you. So again, if you have like an influencer based business model, you are the business, the business might be super profitable, but no one can like, no one can buy your business because no one else is you, right? You are the influencer. You are the thing attracting people to your offer. So again, their benefit is I'm going to be super profitable for as long as my business runs. And then when I'm done, I'm, done. Um, but when you have a service-based business, you're going to have higher, um, higher team expenses. Um, and you're going to, you know, especially if you are like a dentist or something like that, you might have a physical, uh, rental, you know, you're renting a physical space and you might have a little bit of inventory or, um, maybe equipment that you have to pay for and maintain in that business. So again, those margins might be a little lower, but that's where if you are smart about how you build your business, you can still be profitable and make a good living from your business as the owner. But I think you're also set up better in the long run to have something where you can actually sell and get a little even more value back from your, your hard work in building that service-based business. I mean, and ultimately, I mean, that's
1: where the real value is, right? Because it's mm-hmm. like, you were saying, I think a lot of people are not necessarily, necessarily contemplating their exit strategy. Mm-hmm. They're just making good money now. I mean, and Hey, good for that. Good for you if you're doing that, but this, you know, is like, like Parker's saying is super dependent on you. I, I want to go into the weeds a little bit, um, with this next question, um, You know, when it comes to tax strategies, so obviously one of the um, potentially highest um, expenses that a successful business would be facing initially, at least, is that surprise tax bill. Hey, Parker, got good news and bad news. You did really (laughs) well this year. The bad news is here's what you owe. And then you talk like about
2: the worst conversation, by the <laughs> way. Are you really you <laughs> ever want you don't ever want your CPA to say surprise? Like that's
0: like not good. You're like, is it my birthday? I hope yeah, right. not, we,
2: you have a cake back there. This is not a good conversation. But yes. Yeah, but he
1: but he talks about then the importance in his mind of having mm-hmm. this distinction, separating the two. Right. Um, how can we get a good um dance going between the strategy side of tax advice? So um, if our CPA has gone beyond just you know filing taxes and now we're on the strategy side and then getting that strategy to work cohesively on the bookkeeping side, I think that for a lot of people, that might be a reason why either they keep that in-house with the same or do it themselves, which I mean, we've gone through that process in starting a business and you have that. Moment when your head kind of officially goes underwater with your Mm -hmm. books, and then um, you're kind of in trouble there. But the first question is relative to how do I sync up my tax strategy with my bookkeeping? Because the way the books are being done, classification, etc., will impact the way that it gets translated onto my tax form. Um, How do we? How do we reconcile those two things?
0: Yeah, I, I yeah, I think there is again a lack of understanding around the role an accountant is going to play as well as what sort of relationship should I have with my accountant? Mm. Um, what we hear from accountants a lot is, yeah, the client paid me to file their taxes. They didn't pay me to offer advice. So a lot of the times our clients go, God, my accountant just doesn't answer questions. I'm just not super happy with the service. And, and I think that that accountant's expectations they set with their clients is probably something they need to fix. But I understand as a business owner, you get frustrated because you're like, I, what am I paying for here? I'm not an accountant and I don't fully understand how this works. So that's where I think making sure that your account is in the loop and you're taking some responsibility to keep them in the loop. Because if you know, you're halfway through the year and your business has tripled over last year, and you're just going to wait to talk to your accountant at the end of the year, you're handcuffing your accountant. They're not going to be able to help you save on taxes at the end of the year when it's already too late to do the things that they would want to do. So that's where, um, again, there's this extra responsibility we have as business owners to make sure we're keeping people in the loop on the things we need to keep them in the loop on. And so with your accountant, if your business is blowing up or you're spending some, you're making a big investment and you're not sure how it's going to affect your taxes, ask your accountants sooner than later, bring them in the loop. And if they go, well, you're not paying me to give you advice, then go find an accountant who's as part of their service. They're going to give you this advice and stay in the loop because I think your bookkeeper will capture most of, yes, the basic expenses that are running through the business. Your bookkeeper is not the person who decides what's get, what gets written off. Your accountant will decide that, but Most bookkeepers are going to be pretty darn comfortable knowing the main expenses, but like, do you need to talk to your accountant about an S-corp strategy? Should you be setting up some sort of retirement plan through the business? Like some of these other pieces that are more directed towards your taxes, your accountant can't help you with that unless they know what's going on. So there is some responsibility on your end to make sure you're keeping your accountant on the loop or in the loop so they can be more proactive in setting some of these tax strategies with you sooner. So on on that...
1: Um, sort of doesn't really piggyback but I did mention it a lot of people when they start their business they're under 100,000 right mm-hmm. and so um they're a, a solopreneur mm-hmm. they're they're doing everything by themselves and and that includes their books um what does that transition look like? because I would imagine a lot of people would be a little fearful, like I've been keeping my own books, you know, I got quick books, and I've been oh, but doing let's be it. clear,
2: most people don't really keep their own books. They do their books at the in December, at the end of the year and try mm-hmm. to just catch up and reconcile, but, but yeah, but
1: that's an obstacle, I would <laughs> think for for moving into um having your your books serviced right uh, properly. So any recommendations or anything that you could mention to people that might have that fear and reservation? Like, look, I have my books, but, you know, I don't know that anybody else would understand
0: you know, how the I classified what I'm doing, yeah, what
1: I did, how do we successfully hand that off?
0: Do not let QuickBooks or Zero or any other bookkeeping software convince you you can do your own bookkeeping in, in their bookkeeping software. Yep. <laughs> I, I think that's like again, we. it took me a year when I came into this business. I, I didn't really have a finance or accounting background. I knew I could help my business partner grow evolve finance, but I had to learn the bookkeeping. And he's like, you can learn it, but it's going to take some time. So it took me a year to learn how to use QuickBooks and really properly do the bookkeeping for the handful of clients I started out working with. So I think sometimes these bookkeeping software companies go, oh yeah, we got the Uh, you know, the entrepreneur light version of our software. You can do it yourself. But in reality, the amount of time and effort you would have to put into really learning how to use the software properly and not actually like, getting your business in more financial trouble because of it. Uh, I, we always tell new business owners, start with a spreadsheet because it's really hard to, to screw up a spreadsheet. You know, each month, go through your checking account, the credit card, pull out transactions and put it into a spreadsheet each month. So that way you at least have some sort of data to give to your accountant. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have a bunch of financial insight, but if you haven't hit 100 grand yet in your business, chances are the financial insights going to be go make more money, go make more sales. Like that's you, almost always going to be the biggest problem in a small business is how do we just generate more more money and find more customers? But as you start to realize that going through all your transactions each month and entering it into a spreadsheet, there's just too many transactions, then that's probably a sign that, okay, it's time to bring a bookkeeper in and start putting this into QuickBooks because the more transactions we have, that just means more data that likely needs to be organized better. So again, your accountant can do a better job of filing your taxes and you can start to get some financial insights because once you do get to that six-figure mark and beyond, that's when it's no longer just generate more sales, it starts to become, yeah, keep selling more. But now let's also make sure we're spending the money in our business um, more efficiently so that, again, we can have that profit left over to build up a savings in the business, make sure you're getting paid, and then have some cash available to invest back in the business on ads or team members or anything else that we want to put back into the business to help our, our top line revenue grow. And
1: everybody wants that, everybody wants more more money. money. How do we get more money? More cash flow, (laughs) more cash
0: flow.
2: I love that. That was a perfect actual segue into my next question for you because again, like having that financial insight allows you to make good solid decisions as far as your business is concerned. And one of those decisions is about paying yourself. And I think that people struggle so much with, especially when they're getting started. And then when they cross over that line of like high profitability, what do I what do I pay myself? So how do you help guide your clients through that process, or do you have any suggestions on that specifically?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think a lot of the times when like I do workshops or I'm on podcasts, people are like, "Just give me a percentage, and I'll yeah. take that percentage out, and I'll pay myself." Black and, and white. <laughs> yeah, and I get that. I do understand that desire, but as if we're building growing businesses we need a little more nuance than that, right? This is that responsibility. I feel like a business dad saying responsibility (laughs) in all these interviews I do, but there is this extra responsibility around, okay, do I understand what the picture is here? And so one thing that I like to kind of describe on, on a workshop that we offer on our website for free, it's a free workshop is I talk about driving a car with no dashboard, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a car where you can't see the, the, the gas tank, you have no idea how fast you're going, the check engine light, all these things. Can you drive the car? You can, but it's going to be extremely stressful. And I know for me being like probably more on the neurotic side, I'd probably be wasting time going to fill up with gas more often than I need to. I'd probably be going to the mechanic sooner than I need to because I'd just be like, I don't know what's going on with my car and I don't know if it's just going to break down at any moment. So that's where, you know, when you start to think about paying yourself, well, if you have no dashboard, how are you supposed to make this nuanced decision? So what we usually tell business owners, number one, do we know how much money you need to make? Like having a personal budget. Um, And that's why in our workshop, we give away a free personal budget because a lot of the times entrepreneurs don't realize until it's too late how much their personal finances actually affect their businesses. And so knowing, okay, how much money do I actually need to make personally? What's my nut I need to cover every month? And then you need to have some sort of insight into your business's finances to be able to go, okay, how much profit are we making each month? Is that profit coming in big big chunks in certain months? And then it goes down and I need to kind of do a little math here to figure out what's my average profitability each month for the year. And so you can kind of weigh, how much money is the business bringing in? How much money do I need to make? Cool. Now let's make a decision. And when your business is smaller and your business is barely making enough to cover what you need to make personally, the decision is pretty simple. It's like, I kind of need to take all the profit out to pay myself. As your business gets bigger and you are generating more profit, then It's a little bit of a a funner decision to make because you're like, okay, I got all this money, but we're always telling our clients, we need to balance you getting paid with keeping money in the business to protect it. Because if the business goes into financial turmoil, because you're taking every dollar out and there's no cash available to help you get through some of the ups and downs of running a business, well, then guess what happens to your income? Your income goes away. So what we recommend for our clients is that they save up three months of operating expenses in their businesses. So they have a three month runway. And I can tell you the clients that listened to us before the pandemic were extremely grateful. They had that cash in March, April, and May of 2020. Cause even though a lot of our clients ended up doing well that year, Everybody was going, what's going on? What's going to happen? Having to pivot, thinking about how do I have to serve my customers differently? And so knowing that they had that cash in the bank allowed them time to figure out where they need to pivot and how they need to adjust their strategies. And it's amazing how having cash on hand can make running your business far less stressful, and also ensure that you can get paid a consistent salary each month because your salary isn't tied to whether the month did or if you did really well that month or you had a eh, kind of month. It's because we have that cash in there to give you a consistent salary as the business owner, and and it just makes everything else and managing your cash flow so much easier when we're just not taking everything out of the business each month to pay yourself. So it just comes down to clarity. Do we know how much profit the business is bringing in? Do you know how much money you need to to make to support your family and pay your bills?
2: Powerful. Very good. You like it? I do. I love those suggestions. I think it's important. I think people are always unsure about that topic specifically. So
1: I, what I like about that is it addresses this whole, you know, sort of cliche thing of pay yourself first, right? I mean, sometimes it's not possible. How, what do you mean? So I'm going to tell my landlord, or I'm going to right tell. You know, tell I need the, money. I'm going to me first. My, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my,
2: my
0: software providers that you know. I, Hang I tight, to I'll me.
2: get you next month. Like right, it doesn't work that. like that. I, yeah. that I can,
0: can I just say I love that you guys are saying that because I get I agree. Like I know, like profit first methodology talks about right. like you got to pay yourself first. If your business is in, a, is in a certain situation, then for some businesses, sure, you can kind of figure that out. But if you're just arbitrarily picking a percentage that you want to pay yourself every month. You're ignoring the fact that there might be some other issues in the business that if you had better financial data and financial insight, you could start to address those, those issues. Um, because again, if your, your expenses are out of whack for the amount of revenue that your business generates, you need to know that as soon as possible. Otherwise, whatever you want to pay yourself, isn't going to mean anything. If we don't fix some of these fundamental business model issues that might be holding you back from being profitable.
2: Yeah. Pay yourself first sometimes means you may not be able to pay yourself at all because you're making the wrong decision. So we totally agree with that.
0: Man,
1: Parker, thank you so much for being with us. You knocked it out of the park today. I want to remind everybody the website is www.evolved but that's with a d. evolvedfinance.com not evolve evolved with a d. evolved
2: finance. <laughs> you got it out there.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you go to this website, there's tons of um, of information, freebies that you can consume, but also you have the opportunity to jump on um, with Parker and his team, find out if you're a good fit. Um, $100,000 or more, you're working in the online space. This is a no-brainer. I hope that um, everybody will take a good, hard look at this. You know, our whole thing is we want to help everybody to make each successive year your best year ever, right? Mm-hmm. that You're co- constantly growing. And for a lot of you, frankly, look, it's time for you to stop doing your own books, or maybe it's time for you to start doing books, books period. Um, but yeah. you probably <laughs> don't want to start with you um, when you have resources like this available to you. Parker, thank you so much for joining us. You absolutely killed it. You're an absolute pleasure to, to listen to, and you bring tons of value and information to, to our listeners. We really appreciate you. No, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on the show. All right, everybody, we'll be back again next week. We'll have another episode of the None of Your Business podcast. We look forward to seeing you then. In the meantime, make sure that you have subscribed. Leave us a review. Tell us how much you loved Parker today. Tell us all about your thoughts and feelings. We read them all. Tell your friends about us. We'll see you next week on the None of Your Business podcast.